You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I want to minister this morning on Jesus, the friend of those in need. Sometimes we are facing challenging times, difficult situations, and we have a great need. And sometimes even when you are going through these challenges, you're thinking, have I done something wrong that I'm going through this? Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Let me tell you this. If I start by this, Jesus was the Son of God. He had a pure heart at all times. He was thinking good things at all times. And yet he was still tempted. Yet he still went through some difficult things. We live in a society today, a world today that tells you that only those that are strong will make it. If you're not fast and you run quickly and you get ahead, you're not going to make it. But that's not the truth. God chooses grace rather than work so that no man should boast. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11 says, I turned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. Turn to the person next to you and say, the race is not to the swift. Tell them again, say, the race is not to the swift. It says, nor is the battle to the strong. It says, bread is not to the person that's the most clever, not to the wise. But opportunity and chance comes to everybody. Do you know what that means? It means God chooses grace rather than works. It means there's hope for people like me that are not the strongest, that are not the fastest, that doesn't know everything. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, There's hope for you and for me. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Job, chapter 26. It says, How have you helped him who is without power? How have you saved the arm of that has no strength? How have you helped him who is without power? It says, How is it that You find yourself in a situation where you feel weak. And God says, I'm ready to help you. I'm ready to support your situation. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that I want to help you. Not tomorrow because faith acts now, faith believes now, and faith receives now. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to help you today. Not tomorrow, today. He said in an accepted time, that day is today. God wants to do something in your life, even if you feel like you've messed up. Let me see your hand if sometimes you want to do the right thing, but you find yourself doing the wrong thing. And then you wonder if Jesus is still going to help you. Raise your hand, let me see. I'm talking to the right people here this morning. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope. 
as long as your hope is in Christ Jesus. Well, I was away for a few days. Time of resting is a time of hearing. And I was, I was reading from one of my favorite chapters, Luke 5. And we know the story about Peter where he had no catch and God was in his boat and his nets was full. And I was just reading from that again and suddenly for the first time I saw something that touched my heart, that just gave me hope that even in a situation where we are facing challenges and going through difficult times, that God is still committed in helping us to go from where we are to where he wants us to be. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. I want to share this with you and just show you. Why is it that God would want to help you? Because God loves you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. Job 33 says that it's the breath, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God has made you has formed you, has created you. Do you know what that means? It means you are the greatest product of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the greatest product of the Holy Spirit. God made you, formed you, breathed His very life, His breath into you. It means He's committed to you. He's got a calling for your life, a purpose for your life. And whether you maybe sometimes go to the right of that purpose, God is always committed to help you get back on track. He's not going to change his mind. Amen? Are you there, Luke chapter 5? God sees the best in us, believes the best about us. Luke chapter 5, so it was as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. When I read this, I saw that everybody was around Jesus. Everybody wanted to be with Jesus, but the fishermen said, we're going to clean our nets. Am I reading it in the right way here? But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. They said, we're not going to listen to this. We've got enough. We've worked all night and the nets were empty. I'm going to clean my nets. I'm not going to listen to the word of God now. I'm not going to listen to what Jesus has got to say. I'm going to clean my nets. Have you ever felt like that? You wanted to be around the word, look at the word, but you found yourself occupied with things keeping you busy. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. And caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Can you see? He's saying, Jesus said to him, drop your nets. He says, okay, I'll do what you've told me to do, but I'm just going to drop one. 
Do you see that? Sometimes when the Lord asks us to do something, we don't do it with all our heart. He says, drop your nets. He says, I've toiled all night. There's nothing going on here. There's no fish here. I'm just going to drop one net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He suddenly realized that God was committed to support his position. In that failure, God was supporting him to take him from where he was to where God wanted him to be. Even while his attitude was not 100% right. Everybody was trying to get to Jesus. He says, let's go clean the nets. Jesus says, drop the nets. He drops a net. And Jesus still folded to that capacity that he had to call his friends, his partners, to come and fill their nets. Says, Lord, don't you know who I am? I'm a sinful man. Maybe when those nets were empty, I've heard some fishermen talk. Maybe he applied some fisherman language when he saw the empty nets. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't be so religious. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've heard those words. The pastor cannot say it in church, but you know, fishermen talk. Says, I'm a sinful man. You don't know what I've just said a few minutes before this. And here you are still blessing me and helping me. He was saying, Jesus, don't you know who I am? Don't you know how I react? You know what the Lord's response was? He said, Peter, I know who you are. He says, as a matter of fact, those two partners of yours, call them as well. The sons of Zebedee. He says, bring those two hot-headed ones as well that wants to call fire down the whole time. Bring them. He was saying, Lord, don't you know who I am, what I've done. Don't you know what was going on in my heart when those nets were empty? You can hear from his frustration when he says, we've toiled all night long. You can almost hear the pain. I've done everything. I've put in the effort. And there was nothing. He says, Peter, I know exactly who you are. I know that you're a sinful man, but I've got a purpose for your life. He says, you think you've disappointed me now through maybe language or what you've done. He says, you don't know anything. He knew that Peter was going to deny him, but yet he didn't give up on him. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is never going to give up on you. Don't give up on Jesus. We're saying to Peter, listen to me, I'm going to build my church upon you. You that little rock that I will establish my church upon. A rock that cannot be shaken. Peter that day had a revelation and he knew 
that even in failure, in disappointment, God was supporting his position. This is a message to every one of us where we've experienced failure and disappointment. God has not changed his mind. When Jesus says, drop the nets, and you just drop a net, he's still going to do what he wants to do. Because it's not because of you, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Turn to your neighbor and say, I thank God for the life of Peter. <laughs> Tell them again, say, I thank God for the life of Peter. Peter messed up so many times. The one minute Jesus says, you are the rock. The next minute you cannot rely upon him. The one minute he's got a humble heart. The next minute he's got an arrogant heart. The next minute he's calm and peaceful. The next minute he's a hothead and chops off somebody's ear. The next minute he's affirmed by Jesus. The next minute he's rebuked by Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, thank God for the life of Peter. <laughs> the one minute he says the right thing, the next minute he out the wrong thing. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? <laughs> Who said nothing wrong in the past week? Raise your hand. Not even one person. I thank God for the church. Amen. Now you know how much you need God. The one minute he's devoted to Jesus, he says, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going to go. I'm the one there that's going to be next to you. Self-confidence. The next minute, he denies Jesus. And a time in his life when he walked in his own confidence, in his own strength, he messed up. But later in the book of Acts, after he'd been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, Peter got up and he preached a message and 7,000 people got saved. He suddenly realized it's not about him, but it's a product of grace. Every advancement in our lives is because of the grace of God. In 1 Peter 5 verse 6, later on he wrote, and he says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. He says, don't be the big shot to say, I'm just going to do it. He says, humble yourself, and you'll see God will be the one that will exalt you. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about you, what you are going through, what you are facing. Peter was there, a fisherman, frustrated. But God saw the purpose in his life. God was ready to take him from where he was to where he wanted him to be. To be a normal fisherman, to become a fisher of men. Amen. Let me take you to another example. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Turn to the person next to you and say, God chooses grace rather than works so that no man should boast. Look at this. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather 
grew worse. So women here with a serious problem and nothing is getting better. It's getting worse and worse and worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affection. And Jesus immediately knowing in him what that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? This woman, according to the book of Leviticus, was declared unclean. A matter of fact, she was unclean for seven days. So even if she was healed, she would still be declared unclean for seven days. Sometimes when God has forgiven us, or we have forgiven people, or God has dealt with things, we still hold on to it where we should let go of it. This woman, according to the word of God in the book of Leviticus, was unclean for seven days. And everybody and anybody that she touched was also declared unclean until that evening. So she was not allowed to be in that crowd. Go to verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, Peter heard Jesus say, drop your nets. He heard the word. The Bible teaches us when the word of God comes, it produces faith in our hearts. This woman never had that. Jesus never spoke to her. She heard about Jesus. Maybe she heard about this Peter. Maybe he was a foul mouth. This Peter that fell before Jesus and said, Lord, I'm dirty, I'm unclean, stay away from me, you cannot get close to me. Maybe she heard the message, she heard about Jesus that accepts people that are not clean. Many times we think we cannot receive from God because we are unclean. You're battling with things, there are things in your life. And you think you cannot receive from Jesus. She didn't even hear the word of God directly. She heard about a man, Jesus. That even if you're unclean, you can get close to him. Even though you are unclean, if you touch him, you can be healed. She just heard about him. What have people been hearing about us? What have people been hearing about you? You can only come to church if you're perfect. No. That's not the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, who touched me? He said, who touched me? She was saying in her heart, dirty as I am, Lord, you can still cleanse me. Dirty as I am, you can still cleanse me. The mere fact that she came from behind shows that she was careful. She didn't want to confront him directly. She came from behind, she had heard she touched the hem of his garment. Malachi says that that hem, the wings, there's healing in his wings. That's all she had heard. And she came from behind and she touched him. And Jesus healed her. In verse 32, Jesus said, who had done this thing? He knew what happened. He said, who had done this? If Jesus was religious, 
living according to the law, he would have judged her. He would have embarrassed her. He would have humiliated her and said, what are you doing here, woman? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to separate yourself for seven days. That's under the law. But under grace, he said, you've been healed. You've been cleansed. When you touched me, it was a touch of faith. And the healing has gone from my body and has cleansed you. Family, Jesus is not embarrassed about your situation. Jesus is not embarrassed about your situation. The uncleanness that you are facing right now, run to Jesus. Run to him. Don't run away. That situation that's here in your heart that you want nobody to know about. This woman for 12 years carried this burden. Went everywhere, looked for different solutions. Couldn't find it. Her situation became worse and worse and worse. According to the law, she had to stay away from people. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That faith just to come to Jesus with that part of your life, Jesus is going to touch it and clean it. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus wants to help you. Tell them again, say, Jesus wants to help you. Paul and the situations that he found himself in 2 Corinthians, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For when I am weak, I am strong. Family, when you are feeling weak, God will manifest his strength in your life. That should be our prayer. This James that was with Jesus, one of the sons of Zebedee, and James 1, later on, after he had gone through all of these things, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He says, I've seen what's happened to Peter. I've seen what he's gone through. He says, whatever you go through, start to get happy because God is supporting your position and will take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that that trial that you are going through is busy producing patience in your life. Let that patience have its perfect work in your life. It says, if you don't know what to do, ask for wisdom. It says, when you ask for wisdom, Jesus is going to give you wisdom and show you what to do. It says, it's important to ask. He says, this Peter, there was one time where he asked Jesus to walk on the water, and he walked on the water. It says, the other, others... The 11 of us, we didn't walk on the water because we never asked Jesus to walk on the water. He says, but he asked to walk on the water. He says, so when you ask, don't be like a person doubting. Know that when you ask, you know that God is going to help you. If you doubt, you're like a wave in the ocean, this way and that way. He says, this Peter, when he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the waves, he started sinking. But Jesus was there immediately to grab him by the hand and to lift him up. Whatever you need, if it feels like you are drowning, just look, you'll see a hand. Jesus' hand is there to lift you up. 
it was not the water that was keeping Peter up. Jesus was keeping the water up. That's why it was easy for him to walk on the water. Amen? The situation that you are facing right now, does it feel like you're walking on water? Let me see your hand. It feels like you're walking on water. It feels like you're going to drown any minute. But Jesus is the one keeping you up, ready to take you from where he is to where he wants you to be. The book of Corinthians, it says, death has been swallowed up by victory. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Your sickness has been swallowed up by health. Business failure has been swallowed up by good success. No opportunities has been swallowed up by opportunities. Whatever you are going through, Jesus is here to help you, to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. 2 Peter 1, just go there quickly. It's your sin consciousness that keeps you in bondage. Every time you ask God for something, you're looking at yourself and what you've done wrong in the past. Instead of looking at the cross and what Jesus did for you on the cross. When you pray and you want to ask God, bless me or help me or heal me or give me a spouse, your heart immediately condemns you because of things of the past. John said, God is greater than your heart. He's died on the cross for whatever is condemning your heart is greater than that. Don't look at that thing of the past. It will make you aware of your sins, your failures, the part that is not clean. Once you are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are disconnected from your past. God does not consult your past in determining your good future. He was looking the whole time at Peter's future. What he had declared over his life. And he was working in and through him at all times. That's the power of forgiveness. Even the disciples after Jesus died on the cross, they all left and went back to fishing. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, he called all of them. He said, come. He forgave them. He empowered them. And then he sent them. He did never, ever changed his purpose for their lives, even though they made a mistake. When you make a mistake, make sure to run to Jesus. He wants to help you to fulfill the plan and purpose of your life. Can I have one amen from somebody? If you've messed up in the past, this is a message of hope. Jesus is not going to give up on you. He's going to help you. When he says drop the nets and you only drop one net, he says, I'm still going to go on. It's a work in process. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
Family, do you know why you can live a holy life, why you can live a godly life? Not because of you, but because of God. The just died for the unjust so that his ability can become your ability. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Because of his divine power, you now have a divine nature. You have two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. He says, for you to live a successful life here, lean into the divine nature. Rely upon that divine nature. The divine nature is the part that is led by the Holy Spirit. It's then when you become a son of God. Sons of God are those who are being led by the Holy Spirit. You rely on your divine nature, not your human nature. Your human nature is the part that wants to argue, that wants to cause strife, reasoning, fighting. But your divine nature is the part that's linked up with God. As Christ has forgiven me, I forgive you. It's the divine nature. It's that part that gives you victory in Christ Jesus. It's there where David faced Goliath. And from a natural point of view, a human nature, he was short. The giant was huge. But he found himself leaning into the divine nature, living in the realm of victory in Christ Jesus. So even though the giant was bigger, the giant was saying, I'm going to kill you. He was speaking from the realm of defeat and failure. The enemy will always come and tempt you to start to behave like him to reason like Him, to fight like Him. That's why you have to rely on your divine nature. The divine nature is the part that loves. Is when they curse you, Jesus says, bless them. You're relying on the divine nature. When they despitefully use you, pray for them. But when you're relying on your human nature, when they curse you, you say, do you want a piece of me? You want to say what? Say it again? That's not... The divine nature. When people despitefully use you, ha, you're taking advantage of me. May you sow what you reap. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you see how much we need God? To rely on the divine nature. It's the divine nature. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whatever you are facing, whatever is coming against you, when you're relying on that divine nature, it means His ability has become your ability. It says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. If God is then with you, who can be against you? This is hope for all of us. Even if we mess up like Peter, in this journey we'll start to realize after a while, it's not about me. Whatever I face, I can say, count it all joy. I'm going to rely on the divine nature. When they curse me, I'm going to bless them. When they despitefully use me, I'm going to pray for them. And you rely on the divine nature. When they say things as Christ has forgiven you, you can forgive them. 
and you start to plant righteous seeds wherever you go, and you'll know you'll have a righteous harvest, the divine nature of Christ Jesus, where His ability becomes your ability. Sila. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.